This is The Blood Doctor Show. On a Wednesday, bleeding into a Thursday, and probably the day that I am most ashamed to be an American. Maybe not. There are so many days to be ashamed of as an American, truthfully. Two of the greatest ones, of course, being the way that we ended World War II. We live in a country where somehow mass murder via nuclear weapon is celebrated. And therefore, it shouldn't be shocking, and yet it still is, that today, Make America Great Again Trump-supporting douchebag thugs descended on the Capitol and broke their way in. You know, depending on reports, you know, it sort of depends on who you speak to. Some people said shots were fired within the chambers. Four people died. 50 people arrested. Not the thousands of people arrested during the BLM protest, mind you. Just 50. But no matter what you... It is embarrassing when Americans would storm their own Capitol building in order to even know what they're trying to do. There's no opportunity, there's no possibility of changing the outcome of the election. It is what it is. And in case you haven't noticed, the Blunt Doctor show today is going to be a whole lot less about sports and mostly about this. It is it's just an embarrassment. It's depressing, it's sad, it's pathetic. And this is what it's come to. And... The enabling and the whataboutism and the straw man bullshit that we have had to put up with from everyone. It's just it's just depressing. It's embarrassing. And it all leads to this scenario in which right wing extremists storm a Capitol building and our government essentially lets them do it. The police let them walk in. They didn't deploy National Guard until the end of the day. They barely even protected our own elected officials. So just to be clear, when Black Lives Matter protesters burned down a Target in an auto zone in Minneapolis, that was worthy of imprisonment and, you know, jailing thousands of people. But literally threatening the lives of our elected officials. So that's people, not property. Property being burned down warranted thousands of people being arrested. Elected officials being threatened warranted 50 people being arrested when thousands of people show up. And you go online and you see the spin. Well, some of these people didn't even know what was going on. They were confused. They thought the Capitol building was open today. Yeah. 
One of those random days in which the Capitol building just happens to be open to the public when they're in session deciding the next president. You know, just a random day at the Capitol building. It's bullshit. It's lies. And the simple fact of the matter is, is that so many people have participated in enabling this. Republicans, Democrats, media. You could point the finger at any number of people, and you'd be correct. And I'm not going to sit here and try to assign blame. Obviously, the far right is the most to blame. The media probably comes in second in terms of who we should blame. And then the Democrats are third, but they're there. You know, they continue to vote with this man in... A majority of scenarios, you know, so much of what goes on in our government is pretend theater bullshit, performative nonsense. There's no real opposition. We have a right-wing party, an extreme right-wing party, and a sort of right-wing party. There is no left-wing politics in the United States. And this is what happens when you allow this to fester and breed. Democrats are afraid to say anything that might offend Republicans. They're afraid to not work with Republicans. They're just afraid of Republicans. And Republicans are afraid of nothing because what do they have to be afraid of? The Democrats will punish them for nothing. And so they just continue to get worse and worse and say worse things and do worse things. And the Democrats do nothing. They might send a tweet or make a video. They do nothing. And the ranting and the raving and the screaming from the extreme right wing gets louder and the threats get louder and they get more obvious and, and nothing happens and no one says anything. And then this is what occurs. A literal fucking march on our own Capitol building. They clashed with police. The back, the blue, psychotic people who were supposedly obsessed with the idea that police could do no wrong were smashing them with poles, with the barricades. You know, they're they're hitting them with their own mace and pepper spray. It's just, it's nuts. It's absolutely absurd. And to be an American... You have to acknowledge, if you can't acknowledge that if these domestic terrorists, these people were domestic terrorists, not rioters, not protesters, domestic terrorists. And if you can't acknowledge that had these domestic terrorists been black, they would have been murdered and they lived because they were white. If you can't acknowledge that, then you're part of the problem. All of this, all of this, all of this, all of these things come from White supremacy. Whether we're talking about income inequality, whether we're talking about voter suppression, whether we're talking about intersectionality, equality, voting rights, everything, all of this stuff comes from white supremacy and how white supremacy has destroyed so much of not only this country, but this planet. It is just true. It can't be argued. 
there is a significant, deep, racist problem in this country that continues to fester, that continues to be part of the fabric of everything that we do on a daily basis. Racism is a systemic problem. Systemic racism is the oldest export of the United States, maybe the oldest import, depending on how you want to look at it. But white supremacy dominates this nation. And one of the biggest parts of white supremacy is that it creates white privilege. And most white people, myself included, grew up believing that white privilege was not a thing. All of us, so many of, maybe not all of us, but so many of us just grew up believing, well, there's no such thing as white privilege. That's blah, 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 blah. And some people may say that, you know, they didn't, and some people have it, and that's great. But the number of white people who will just walk up to me and say racist things because I'm white and they assume I am also racist tells me that... (laughs) Those anecdotal evidence plus the things we hear in the media make me believe that most people grew up believing that white privilege isn't even a fucking thing. And so it's our duty as white people who are at least somewhat woke. I don't pretend to understand everything going on in the world. I I can't. I think white people truly... White people truly want to be able to say, I understand everything. I understand this. I understand what you're going through. I understand that. I understand. And you can't and you won't. And it's okay. It's really okay to not understand something because you can't. White people cannot understand what it means to be a black person in America, in a country that was built on racism. We simply can't understand it. It's not within our wheelhouse. It's not something that's possible for us. And that's okay. But we don't seem to believe it's okay, and we're constantly trying to redefine the experiences of black people based on our own experiences, and it's complete bullshit. And so many people in this country just think that white privilege is not a thing. And no matter how many people I talk to about it, and no matter how many people we all talk to about it, they're just going to continue to be ignorant people. But you have to recognize, you have to be able to acknowledge at this point that America is built on systemic racism. This country is built on a system that promotes white people, promotes power and wealth for white people, and destroys success, power, and wealth for every other race. And you'll have certain white people try to, well, Italians and Irish, you know, yes, of course, there's factions of everything. But this idea that there's reverse racism or, you know, certain white people have been treated, it just, it's nonsense. People of color have been affected in a way that we as white people simply cannot understand. And all we can do is work to try to change it. We can try to be as anti-racist as possible. We can try to lend our time and our energy and our money to change the way that the world operates. But when we don't do those things, when we simply sit by, when we ignore, 
This is what occurs. A bunch of a bunch of racist white douchebags descend on the Capitol building and you know, they want to role play as if they're in the Revolutionary War. And, you know, they want to pretend about, oh, we're saving America and all this other nonsense. They believe that they're Mel Gibson in the movie The Patriot and they're saving democracy and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's embarrassing. This stuff will be in textbooks. This stuff is on television around the world. This is embarrassing. People are going to watch this and see us and think, well, this is Americans. And guess what? It is. This is Americans. What is the legacy of this country? We love to tell ourselves that we were founded on freedom and freedom of religion and all men are created equal. It's bullshit. We imported slaves immediately. We fought a war over slavery. Then we spent another hundred years trying to create backdoor ways to enslave people of color. Then, after the civil rights movement, we assassinated the civil rights leaders and Spent another 70 years trying to do everything we could to hurt people of color, and including creating police officers who were able to just murder them. It just, this country has a history of embarrassing actions. And it's difficult for a lot of us to accept because you grew up, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Little fucking kids, I was in kindergarten. And I pledged allegiance to the flag. So as a child, I was fed propaganda about the idea that I could never betray the United States. As a fucking five-year-old, I could never betray the United States. And I was brainwashed over the years to believe that communism and socialism were evil. I couldn't have fucking told you what communism and socialism were. I just knew that they were evil. And I couldn't explain to you how they were related to Russia. But I just knew Russia were commies and commies are bad. And socialists are like commies. So fuck socialists because they're commies. And commies are Russians and Russians are commies and socialists are Russian commies. That's the America that we grew up with. That's the America that white people grew up with. And the America that black people grew up with is one that has tried to destroy them at every turn. And so many people continue to deny this. My own father is a scumbag, Trump-loving, douchebag, Republican, piece of human garbage. He's a COVID-denying, racist, fascist piece of shit who believes that the amount of money that he pays in taxes is somehow more important than the lives of people who were born outside of the United States simply because of arbitrary borders. That is something that is deep within this country. There are many, many people like that who truly believe that you are evil if you were born outside of an arbitrary line drawn in order to satisfy some sort of war treaty. There is a sickness in the United States. And that sickness is honestly capitalism. And it is income inequality. And it is the belief that money is everything. And I'm not going to sit here and try to preach to you that, you know, 
a perfect socialist or perfect capital or communist utopia, you know, those are what we need to strive for. I understand that those things are very difficult. I understand that suddenly transitioning the United States to an economy that has nothing to do with capitalism is basically an impossibility. But that doesn't mean that we can't fix things. And it does mean that people don't even understand what socialism is about. I'm not going to talk about communism. But I will talk about socialism. Socialism simply means that we all help each other succeed. The prosperity gospel that has absolutely spread throughout Christianity and turned people like Joel Osteen into the main arbiters of what is Christian, that has also affected, infected the GOP. And that has become the mainstream American thought, is the prosperity gospel. Well, if I'm a good person, I'll have money. And if I'm a bad person, I don't have money. And if I don't have money, that's proof I'm a bad person. And if I do have money, that's proof I'm a good person. That has become the way that so many Americans think. This country is sick and it is broken. And the answer is socialism. And this is not to say, you're going to pay all the taxes and everyone else. No. Think about what happens when you give money back to people. They spend it. Where do they spend it? With your small business. And that is ultimately what occurs. Small business spending is increased. The velocity of money is increased. When you give poor people money, they don't hold it. They spend it. Spending money is good for the economy. Socialism in and of itself is good for a capitalist economy. If you were obsessed with the idea of capitalism, you should love socialism because it ensures that money is spent. And when you ask yourself, where is this money going to come from? Literally all of us agree that government is bloated. Literally all of us agree that there are regulatory industries created by government that shouldn't exist. Absolutely, we should defund police. Absolutely, we should defund military. Those are the answer. Those are the answer, truthfully. We all know that I agree with that. Police are scum. All cops are bastards. I believe that. But if you are obsessed with the idea of not completely removing police and simply reforming police like some Democrats are, there are other ways to fix this problem. There's other fat to trim, and they won't do it. They won't abandon the police because police protect their wealth. They won't abandon the military because the military protects their wealth overseas. So they're not going to abandon these things. But when you come up with, well, we could also abandon the insurance industry, and we could also abandon you know, regulatory agencies that don't actually need to exist, those things protect wealth because they get donations from the insurance industry. And when you recognize that every single thing comes back to the money and that in a society that is all about profit, nothing can be pure. Socialism is the only way. 
Socialism could easily be funded by simply not overfunding the police and military. That'd be really simple. But even for Republicans who are against the idea of cutting those budgets, and those things are going to happen anyway, but let's say you're against those things. Don't you believe that of all the tax money you've paid, you should get some of it back to run your own small business? Of course you do. And that's the point. It's all about messaging. It's all about phrasing. We've all paid tons of money in taxes. We deserve some of it back to invest in our own projects, in our own small businesses. Literally all of us in the United States who have paid taxes deserve that. It's a matter of messaging. Income inequality and white supremacy are at the root of every problem. When you And when you recognize that there's like eight rich white people who have all the money, who are trying to keep it from the rest of us, and you realize that none of the elites are on your side, it becomes so much more clear. Those who have money are never going to do things that will voluntarily give away all their money. They will fight to defend their position. So you can't trust them. Now, there are some people among the elites who give the majority of their money away and do good. Of course, there are always exceptions to the rule. But if you're a white person who believes that white privilege doesn't exist, you are wrong. And you need to read and you need to educate yourself. And you need to learn about what actually goes on in this country. Because you are an embarrassment. It is depressing that there are so many white people who can't see all of the direct and indirect ways that they benefit from the structure of this country. And if you can't see those things, fucking educate yourself. If you are a person who believes that capitalism is holy, you're wrong. You're broken. If you are a person that believes that socialism is evil, you probably don't even know what it is. All we want is to help everyone. I want everyone to have health care. I want everyone to have a means to run their own small business and fund their own projects. I want everyone to be able to take the medicine they need. If that's marijuana, I want that to not be an issue. I want us to fund projects that will help the environment so that our grandchildren don't die. These are basic fucking things. And if you are the kind of person who can't follow this, then you can go to hell. And by the way, I want to be really clear. I don't respect centrists. And here's why. Centrism is not an ideology. It's not a belief system. You can't say, oh, my beliefs are centrist. Because that's literally not a thing. To say that your beliefs are centrist means that you don't actually have a belief and that you simply slide what you think based on the weather that day. Well, if everyone is thinking this, then I got to be in the middle. That's not a belief system. That's not an ideology. That's not a way to operate. That's letting other people choose what you think. Centrism is a psyop designed to make leftist ideals look terrible by constantly comparing them to right ideals. Think about what centrists say 
oh, everyone on the left and the right are crazy. Everyone on the extreme left is just as crazy as the extreme right. Really? Because the extreme right will bomb your home or your office if they don't like what you do. The extreme left wants to give you health care regardless of what country you're from. Those are not equitable. Those are not similar. But that's what centrism is about. It's about making leftist ideals look bad so that those people who have money and are in power can stay that way. That's what centrism is actually about. Oh, well, it's crazy to give everyone money. Where will we get that money from? Despite the fact that universal basic income has been proven to work over and over and improves the economy and improves the employment rate, it doesn't matter. Because centrism is not about improving the economy and improving the employment rate. Centrism is about hoarding the wealth for the elite. Well, if we work on the Green New Deal, how will we create jobs? <laughs> You'll create jobs by creating jobs focused on the environment, you fucking idiot. But again, it's not about that. It's about the fact that all of the wealth is currently with the fossil fuel companies and we must protect that wealth. You have to divorce yourself from two ideas. That this country actually believes that all people are created equal and that this country actually believes that everyone can be a success. That's not what we're founded on and that's not what it's about. This country is all about creating wealth for the few and hoarding everything else for them for as long as possible. And we have to break the cycle. And until we actually tax rich people, and until we actually fight income inequality, and until we actually stop white supremacy, or at least take steps to do so, this day where we are embarrassed to be Americans will occur over and over and over. This day, where we can't believe we're living in a country that we would try to coup for what happened, they pulled a coup, so we would coup. And we watched it play out within our own streets. So, I just ask you, take steps. Educate yourself on not only being not racist, but anti-racist. Educate yourself on not being a liberal, but being a progressive. Educate yourself on why the prison system is broken. Educate yourself on white supremacy and white privilege and how they dominate everything that we do in this country. I am not trying to say that I am the arbiter of what is right in terms of white supremacy and white privilege and what, you know, white people are good and what white people are bad. It's not that at all. But if we as white people don't talk to other white people about this stuff, if you're unwilling to stand up and say, this is wrong and I won't stand for it, then you're complicit. It's not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Dr. Kendi, 
I believe that. It's true. And yeah, I, I just, that's, we have to be better than this. And maybe I was a bit all over the map and covering multiple subjects, but when you recognize that it's all intersectional and that it all comes together and that it all comes from income inequality, everything is about keeping rich white people rich. And when you break away from that and realize that universal basic income is fine and the Green New Deal is fine and you know, higher taxes are fine. All of those things, all of it works in conjunction to create a better world. But those people who are hoarding wealth won't allow it. Well, then you see. And I hope you will take action. Whatever it may be. I'm not going to stay long and talk about a lot of sports because the most important things that needed to be discussed in this episode have already been discussed. There were a few things that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to end with a story. Just something that makes me feel better when I think about it to bring up the mood. One thought that I've had is that coming into this season, I think that we thought that there was going to be a lot more parity between East and West. And that, you know, maybe for the first time, the East had really reached the West in terms of, you know, talent from top to bottom or in terms of really good teams, or at least that it had gotten a lot closer. And as we continue on in this season, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think the East actually has a a winning record against the West, but when you actually look at the level of talent available in both conferences and you look at the structure of the teams I'm I really think the West continues to be just so much better and I think there are multiple teams in the West that aren't even going to make the playoffs that would be Eastern playoff teams and I think that it's throwing off um, you know some of what we think at times and again it's not that you know the Eastern Conference isn't you know incredibly good and full of talented players, it is. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, really solid teams, but, you know, be it market or, you know, whatever the case may be, a lot of those teams are just good. And it's just interesting that for whatever reason, despite the fact that so many of the places that are considered the top basketball cities are on the East Coast, so many of the best actual basketball teams continue to be on the West Coast. It's just very interesting. But as far as, well, you know, there could be several East teams that could challenge the Lakers. I honestly think the best challenges to the Lakers are going to continue to come from the West right now. And maybe it's only for this season, but I don't feel good about any Eastern Conference team. Like, I could see so many things going wrong for all of them. And... I can see so many Western Conference teams stepping to the next level than we expected. I will say, you know, I picked Miami to make the finals before the season. Again, I'm not going to back off my prediction. I made the prediction I made. But if you ask right now, the best team in the East is the Sixers, for sure. But, like, the Bucks look problematic, and the Sixers, look, Sixers are inconsistent. And 
the Nets have no defense and, you know, the Raptors are not coming together at all and, you know, things are just not what we anticipated. It's just very interesting. Speaking of Eastern Conference problems, I've been sitting here praising the Magic over and over and rightly so for, you know, how much better they've played than anticipated, but then Markel Fultz tears his ACL and he's out for the season. And, you know, Fultz was really finally coming into his own in this league and proving that he belonged. And the magic injury bug just continues. And I don't know if you look at the training staff, maybe these are just freak injuries. I'm not a doctor. But with Isaac and Fultz and everything that goes on, it just it sucks to be a magic fan because every time something starts to come together, it falls apart. And it's just really disappointed because I was excited for the magic. And they were really starting to put it together. And now this is yet another piece. But given that they started well, and it's a shortened season, and every win matters that much more, and they've been getting them, you've got to figure something out. you got to keep going. I don't know what the steps will be for them. Um, you know, getting a disabled player exception could potentially change the game for them. But... You know, it's going to be on Vujovic and Fournier to just score so much. And, you know, Gordon's got to defend like hell. It just, it sucks. It sucks. Watching the Bulls play the Kings tonight. You know, I've been really hard on the Bulls. And they've honestly started better than anticipated. And the Kings won, but the Bulls... I'm not 100% sure what they're trying to do on offense at all times, but I am 100% sure that their identity will is they will play hard. They grab some tough rebounds. They create situations. I like guys on the team. Like I've said on this podcast, I think Zach Levine has reached the point where he's underrated. I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. I like Kobe White a lot. You know, I like him more than most people. I You know, he can shoot. He's just relentless. He finds ways to get buckets. He's got moves. He'll get in his bag. You know, Kobe White's another dude who it's going to take a few years for him to develop, but I think he's going to be a solid point guard in this league. I like him. I He's someone I would want to develop on my team. And for as much as I've ragged on the Bulls, I think there's a little bit more there than I might have anticipated. And, you know, good for them. You know, good for... For them for figuring it out at least to the point of being competitive because, you know, it was embarrassing before. And, you know, they still have their moments, but Zach Levine is showing up. Everyone loves Wendell Carter. There's a little more here than anticipated. In terms of the Kings... You know, there's one bit of hypocrisy in my analysis. I've been someone who has, you know, been really hard on, you know, Lamella Ball fans because of his mechanics. He's had a couple of games where he shoots well. In my opinion, he's never going to be a plus shooter because those mechanics are bad, but I wasn't that worried about it with Tyrese Halliburton. And that's where the the hypocrite part comes in because I really wanted the Suns to draft Halliburton. Now, With the Suns, the choice was simple. Either you draft a guard 
and you sign a big man or you, you know, sign a big man and, or excuse me, you, you sign a guard and draft a big man. And that's what they did. They signed their guards and drafted a big man in Jalen Smith. I wanted Tyrese Halliburton, but my point was, is that my hypocrisy was there because even though I say that Tyrese Halliburton has better mechanics than LaMelo Ball, they're not phenomenal. And a lot of people questioned his shot coming into the NBA, but man, that, 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 that releases lightning. And if you give him a window, the ball's up and, you know, Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox are a perfect fit long-term for the Kings. I don't know how, you know, the whole Buddy Hill situation will work, but Tyrese Halliburton's good. You know, he makes hustle plays. I do, it's one of those things where coming into the league, everyone questioned his ceiling. And now that he's playing really well, everyone's like, well, is he a future, mega, you know, let's let's temper, let's temper it a little bit. He's really good. He plays with a ton of energy. Let's temper it a little bit. But as far as like what number 12 picks go, it's a home run. And he's going to be incredibly good. So great pick, Kings. Two last notes. Try not to talk too much about the Suns, but it's hard for me to not talk about like what happened tonight. The Raptors were leading really the whole first half. The Suns took over in the second half, and then the Raptors came back late. And if you were a Suns fan over the last few years, you know that when you have those games where you're winning, you're winning, and then things start to fall apart, we had no ability to close them, ever. It's just been a problem. We're not closing games at any level. And Chris Paul has changed that completely. The two losses we've had, I think, have been by a total of eight points. And we've had a couple of close wins too, but we've had a couple of big wins. But when the game's on the line, it never slips away. Even we were down by 31 to the Clippers and we got back to within one point. So it never slips away beyond the reach. And when we have the lead and we're controlling the game, we're not giving it away anymore. I know that Chris Paul is not going to be in the MVP discussion And I know that, you know, his statistics aren't going to merit it, but I don't know how many people actually realize how much Chris Paul has meant to this team. A lot of people are talking about Devin Booker, and Booker has been great, but it's not like he's scoring 40 a game. Chris Paul and Jay Crowder have added a level of depth, professionalism, and veteran leadership that this team just didn't have. And this 6-2 and two is real. And I'm not saying this team could beat the Lakers or will beat the Lakers. Or excuse me. I'm not saying this team would or will beat the Lakers, but they could beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. It's not at all ridiculous. Again, the Lakers are much more likely to win. I understand that. But if you ask me who was the best team to take on the Lakers in the Western Conference... I would probably say the Clippers, but I would have to give serious consideration to the Suns. This whole team can shoot. They're so deep. I don't know if they have the height and the size to compete with the Lakers. The Clippers might, but this Suns team is just better than anyone realizes, and I'm excited to see where this goes. And then finally, 
I'm going to end on a story just because, again, today was terrible for all of us in the United States. Embarrassing. But let's talk about something that was positive that happened for me. I've been thinking about, you know, I don't talk a ton about gambling on this podcast. I mention it, things I bet, uh, you know, fun bets. Uh, I, I, you know, okay, just by way of example, for example, today I parlayed the Sixers winning with the Knicks. Booyah. Julius Randle continues the ball. Gambling's fun, but there are a few moments in my life when I really went for it. And, you know, when you gamble, that's ultimately what it is. Like, it's, you know, coming down to your ability to go for it or your ability to make yourself go for it, if you will. And the year that the Thunder were up on the Warriors, 3-2, was game six in Oklahoma City. And this is right before Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors. This is the 73-9 and Warriors team. I lived in Long Beach at the time. It's about four hours from Las Vegas. And the, you know, the Thunder had been dominating the series. And they had a chance to close it out. And the Warriors were plus 153 in that game on the money line, which meant that you know, if you bet a hundred dollars, you win one hundred fifty-three. So this is the height of, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond in, in their, you know, their prime, with Livingston on the bench and Iguodala, like before Kevin Durant. But still, this is the the pre-Super Warriors height of Steph's powers. Warriors. This is a great team. You literally never see this team plus anything on the money line. They're like minus two hundred on a good day. So the idea of the Warriors winning a game and getting not only even money, but better than even money, and not only better than even money, but 1.5, I mean, that's just not a thing that you saw. Rent was due in two days. And so I went to my roommate and I essentially said, you know, I showed him the line and I said, there's no way the Warriors are going to blow this game. We know that the Thunder will blow this game. There's no world in which you ever get the Warriors plus anything on the money line. We don't have to worry about the spread. You know, and I just basically made the argument that we needed to drive to Las Vegas and bet all the money that we had on the Warriors. And it didn't even really take that long. My then roommate, Keith Strader, mentioned it many times. Got to get you on the show. Point is, love him to death, my brother. He agreed with me. We got to do this. We get in the car. We drive to Vegas. No hotel. We're just here to do this, right? So we are at Tropicana. And if you've ever been in the Tropicana sports book, it's sort of off to the side of the casino on the main floor, sort of in a corner. And it's not usually that busy as far as, you know, sports books go. It's not, you know, that big. Um, in fact, it's owned by another company. They may have shut it down at this point. Uh, in any case, we're in there. We're watching the game and things are not going well. And there is a dude who is rooting for the Thunder, who is just basically me level obnoxious, just screaming over and over. And he's yelling essentially at Russell Westbrook on the screen. Essentially, 
all game yelling that Steph Curry can't guard Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Russ, he can't guard you, Russ. He can't stop you, Russ. Go, Russ. You know, just the whole game, just ragging on Steph Curry. And it's late in the game. And I start to realize the Thunder are winning. Everything's going wrong. I convinced my friend to come here and bet our rent money. <laughs> I started to have a panic attack. And I pulled up my phone. And Clay Thompson was playing well. And Bill Simmons tweeted something like, do you realize we're 20 minutes away from calling this the Clay Thompson game? <laughs> and Clay Thompson proceeded to hit every three, all the threes, every single three. And the Warriors won. Steph closed it out. The guy who's being incredibly obnoxious had to shut up, and then Warriors fans invaded the sportsbook screaming. And we, we were just paralyzed by sure that our money is gone, and then Clay Thompson hits shot after shot after shot. And then suddenly we're eating dinner, and suddenly we're driving home and you get home and you just it all blends together and blurs together and and then you realize like I went to Vegas I gambled a ton of money I won I ate a delicious steak dinner I drank a bit smoked some good weed I came home I paid my rent I paid my bills my bank account was $3 lower than when I left. That's a good fucking gambling trip. And that's the Blend Doctor Show. Learn about progressive and socialist ideals. Treat the people around you better. And most of all, don't be a racist, fascist piece of shit. So simple. Peace. And I mean that. Peace.